Good morning, everybody. Great. It's always good when people respond. Um, one of the things that, that frightens me at the start. I'm just going to switch my computer on. I'm not running on power this morning. I'm on battery. I'm not on mains. So judging by this, I have about three hours. Um, so I don't think it's going to run out um, before I'm finished. I actually think the congregation would probably run out before this does. Um, Great. Um, it's really, really good to be back with you again this morning. Thank you for your welcome. Um, I was here in April um, with my, my colleague, Stephen, um, doing a bit of a report on the work. Uh, and as Brian said, before that, about 16 years ago, maybe even a wee bit more, um, I would have been up in the, the hall, the big hall up there with Jim Patterson um, for the Holiday Bible Club. So that's my, my memories of Kalinche is coming along every summer um, for the Holiday Bible Club at a great time. And really, it was my first sort of time with CF, helping out Jim and Kim, um, would have been here. So I'm very, very fond of Clinchy. Um, I'm now full-time, as, as Brian has mentioned, in CF. But this morning, what I want us to do, really, we've been singing some lovely carols. Um, one of them I've actually never heard before. It's new to me. So I'm going to have to try and get the words for that one. But our focus, hopefully, you know, already, as, as the reading, reading God's Word from Luke chapter 2, very, very familiar passage, I want us this morning really to continue thinking about what's on the screen, to continue thinking about not the Christmas story as such, but the fact that the Savior is born. That's really what I want us to think about this morning. Um, and I'm sure if, if you're like me, and really I can only speak for myself, but I know that I have become so familiar with the Christmas story, perhaps I've lost the amazement. Perhaps I've lost the the, the real meaning, the, the wonder of, of what Christmas is really all about. And, and yes, I can say it. We all can. We can all sing about it. But how often then do we get caught up with everything else in this what is a very busy time? You know, you see it written down in cards. We say it quite a lot. Jesus is the reason for the season. And we know that and we say that, but then we can get caught up with all the other stuff. So this morning, we're, we're midway through December. What I want us to do is to really focus on why is Christmas so special? What makes it so special? And, and we'll get different answers. If you ask different people, if you go outside of this church building today and ask people, what's Christmas special? Why is it special? You'll get lots of different things, and especially children. I work, obviously, in a children's mission, and we ask this question all the time, what makes Christmas special? And for children, obviously, you'll get lots of different answers. I'm sure you can guess them. You know, children will usually say Santa. Santa makes Christmas special. They'll say presents. They'll say maybe getting off school. And, and it's true. For, for children, Christmas is a very exciting and a very special time of year. You know, my own children yesterday, we, we decided I managed to hold off long enough putting up the Christmas tree. Um, but my wife won and I lost. So yesterday, the tree came out of the attic. Uh, and they started to help putting up the tree. And boy, they were excited. This morning, they are still excited. The first thing, what did they do the first thing this morning? Up, too early for a Sunday morning, to be honest, but they were up. You hear them going down the stairs, look at the tree and come up, you know, the tree's still there. Then my daughter wanted me to carry her down so she could see the tree. I'm hoping that their excitement wanes a little bit before the 25th, but, but they get excited. Children get so excited about Christmas and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with get exciting about, getting excited about Christmas. In fact, I believe this morning that, that if you're here this morning and you're a Christian, we should be excited. We should be excited about Christmas. But for that reason, a Savior is born. That's what we should be getting excited about. 
Yes, it's nice to enjoy the, the different reasons. It's nice to enjoy the, the gifts, the Christmas market, if you can battle your way through it. All the other things that go along, getting off work, spending time with family, those are all good things. But as believers this morning, we should be getting excited about the fact that a baby was born in Bethlehem just over 2,000 years ago, the birth of the Savior. And that's a challenge for us this morning. We've read the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2, which is very familiar. But let's remind ourselves this morning that, that Christmas is special because of Him. That's the reason. And I want to take three headings just briefly. And, and as we look at the Christmas story, hopefully we will focus our minds this morning on the birth of the Lord Jesus. And the, the very first point that I want to bring out, out of that Luke chapter 2 is, yes, the Savior is born, but I want to notice the fact that this was all planned, that God had planned His birth. That's the very first thing I want to look at. And you're telling me, David, we know that. Of course it was planned. You know, there's a verse in Acts, in Acts chapter 15, verse 18, and it says this, Known to God from eternity are all his works. God knows everything. And that very much included the birth of his son. And you know, it's difficult for us to get our heads around this this morning. It's difficult for us to get our heads around that before the world was created, before time even began, that God knew that one day he would send his son into this world. God knew that before time. Jesus knew that because he was there also. But you know, in Genesis 3, 15, that's the very first mention of a Savior. Right at the very beginning, right in the Garden of Eden, the Savior was promised. And as we go through the Old Testament, we hear God saying and God telling us that he was going to raise up a deliverer. He was going to raise up a ruler. He was going to send a Savior. God had planned it. So many prophecies in the Old Testament came true on the day that Jesus was born. Let's take some as an example. Isaiah 7, 14. We're told that it was going to be a virgin birth. That was around 700 years before Jesus was born. Came true. Micah 5, 1 and 2. We're told that the Savior was going to be born in Bethlehem. A little insignificant town. 680 years before, that was told. Genesis 49.10, we're told that this Savior would come from the tribe of Judah. Those words were written about 1,400 years before the Savior came. And Jeremiah 23.5, we're told that he would be a descendant of David. Around 580 years before. God had planned it, but not only had God planned it, God had foretold it. Time and time again, through the Old Testament, we were told that the Savior was going to come. The Jews had been waiting. God's people had been waiting for this Messiah to arrive for hundreds and hundreds of years when finally, on that day, the wait is over. God's plan is being carried out. That's exciting. You know, Christmas is exciting because we clearly see God's eternal plan being put into action. That should excite us this morning. And you know, one thing that really stands out to me in that, in the Christmas story, is that God's ways... God's plans, if you like, are certainly not our ways. God does things differently than, than we would. God works in ways that we can't even imagine as human beings. You know, in our passage, the, the first thing we read is that Caesar Augustus issues a decree that, that all those who live in the Roman Empire, they must be registered for tax reasons. Now, as I looked into that, I discovered that this was usually only done every 14 years. You know, imagine that. 
14 years worth of tax to be sorted. You know, one year is bad enough, but 14. But that's what, was, that, that's what happened. Around 14, every 14 years, the, the, the people had to go back to their own hometown, their home city, and they had to be registered. And you know, for Mary and Joseph, that meant that they had to leave Nazareth. They had to travel around a 70 or 80 mile journey, roughly taking probably around five, six days, while Mary was pregnant. You know, it was a difficult journey at the best of times, but here was Mary, and she was pregnant. To look at that one fact, to look at that one instance through human eyes, you know, we could easily say, God, surely you got the timing wrong. Surely you could have picked a better time. Surely you could have picked a different place for the Savior to be born. That can't have been in your plan. Mary's pregnant. Mary has to now make this long, difficult journey to Bethlehem. That's all wrong. But you know, God didn't get it wrong. We know that for a fact. God didn't have the timing wrong. And the fact is this morning, God never gets the timing wrong. God never gets anything wrong. You know, as Mary and Joseph were heading down that road to Bethlehem, God's plan was perfectly underway, absolutely perfect. You know, Caesar Augustus had put out the order, but the real reason they were heading down that road was because centuries earlier, God had said that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. You know, we read that in Micah 5 too, but you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. God had foretold it. Mary and Joseph were off to Bethlehem because God had planned that his son was going to be born there. God's hand was in it all. And you know, this small, small part of the Christmas story, it reminds me this morning that, that God is in control. It reminds me this morning of the sovereignty of God, you know, that God is in control over every tiny little detail. Does that just apply to Mary and Joseph? Does that just apply to the birth of Jesus? Does it just apply to the Christmas story? No, it doesn't. It applies to us as well this morning. God's ways are perfect. And today, for us this morning, we can trust that his ways are still perfect. You know, we might not see God's hand in circumstances at the time, just like Mary and Joseph. Maybe they didn't. But like them, we simply need to trust him and believe that that he knows best. That's what they did. They put their trust in God and they put their trust in action by, by heading along that road. You know, it's no surprise that a verse we quote so often is taken right out of the Christmas story. Luke 137, for nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing will be impossible. In context, it's the angel Gabriel telling Mary about the birth of Jesus. But for us this morning, those same words apply to every situation in your life. Nothing will be impossible with God. You know, as you head down whatever your long road to Bethlehem is, I don't know this morning. I don't know everybody's situation here, and I don't know anybody's. We might think the timing is all wrong. Whatever you're going through maybe this morning, you might even feel like not even attempting that long walk down that road. But just like Mary and Joseph, God is simply asking you this morning, trust me. Put your faith in me. I know exactly what I am doing. God hasn't changed. You know, verses 6 and 7, they then show us the next part of God's plan being fulfilled. Verse 6 and 7, And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. 
And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for him in the inn. Mary gave birth. It's only a couple of verses, but it's the most significant event in history until that point. The Savior had been born. The Messiah, the Chosen One, had come. It was all God's plan. You know, I don't think, well, I know I would not have planned it that way being reverent about it. I don't think any of us would have planned it the way God did. A virgin birth, that long travel to Bethlehem while pregnant, being born in such lowly conditions, being born into a poor Jewish family. Through human eyes, it all seemed to be just wrong. But that was the way God planned it. That was the way God had foretold it in the Old Testament, and that is the way God carried it out. The Messiah was born exactly the way God planned in eternity. Surely that's a reason for us to get excited about Christmas. It was planned in eternity by God. But you know, not only did God plan it in an amazing way, God decides to announce it in an amazing way. And you know, this was not a normal birth, and it certainly wasn't announced in a usual way, and, and we've been singing about that announcement this morning. We've been singing about the angels, we've been singing about how they announced that the Christ had come. And that's my second point. A Savior is born, which was planned by God. A Savior is born, and it was announced by an angel. But as we look at those verses, it's important to notice who God sends the angel to, who he sends the angels to, just a group of shepherds. You know, he doesn't send the angels to a king or to a ruler or to the religious leaders of the time. God sends them to shepherds, shepherds who were in a field watching over their flocks. You know, Warren Wearsby in his Bible commentary, he says this, he says, in that day, shepherds were considered to be at the lowest rung of the social ladder. Their work not only kept them away from the temple and the synagogue, but it made them ceremonially unclean. Yet in his grace, God gave the first announcement of the Savior's birth to lowly shepherds. Have ever thought about that? Why, why the shepherds? Why not the religious leaders? Why not someone really, really important? Well, Wearsby continues, by visiting the shepherds, God is showing us his grace towards mankind because shepherds were really outcasts in Israel. What was God doing? Well, God was showing that his grace is for everyone. God was also showing that he uses the foolish, the the weak things of this world, things that are despised. That's what God uses. You know, verses 10 to 11, we read their announcement. In verse 10, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The angel, when he announced it, he's about to tell good news and and the words for all the people. That makes it pretty clear. That makes it pretty clear that this news was going to be for everyone. Then the angel, speaking to the shepherds, tells the the Savior, or tells them that the Savior, the the Messiah, the chosen one, the anointed one, says that the Lord has been born, and it's just two words, but they're so, so important. He says, the Savior has been born unto you. Words that we might skip over. But those words, unto you, are so important because as well as saying that the good news was for everyone, the angel confirmed it. Because whenever the angel said, unto you, it was showing that the Savior had been born unto the shepherds. 
onto the lowly ones, onto the weak ones. You know, as we read this passage, the Savior, the Savior has been born onto you. It wasn't just the shepherds, but the Savior has been born onto us. And that, that fact alone makes Christmas amazing. That fact alone makes it exciting, makes it good news because the Savior has been born onto us this morning. Regardless of our age, regardless of our, our wealth, our ability, our health, our, our social standing, He has been born onto us. That's why it was such good news. You know, the Savior, the Christ had come and He is for the world. That should encourage us this morning. It should encourage us this morning because it reminds us that the gospel message, the message of the Savior, is for everyone. It's for the whosoever's. It's for the everyone who believes. That's what Romans 10 tells us. Everyone who believes in the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's why Jesus came into this world. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes. It's a message for everybody. God's grace extends to everyone and God can save anyone. That encourages me this morning because it reminds me this morning that, that maybe that person I'm praying for, that person that seems far away from God, that person that maybe you have been praying for for years and years and years and you're still praying for them, but as yet they haven't come to the Savior. Keep praying because the message is for them as well. The Savior is for everyone. And God can work and God will work in lives. Why? Because Jesus came into this world as the Savior onto you. It's a message for us all. You know, what an announcement. What a reason for Christmas being so special. Not only had the Savior been born, but he was a Savior for everyone who believes. Then when we read verse 12, the angels announced, this will be a sign for you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. I'm sure that surprised the shepherds. I'm sure they weren't expecting the Savior to be there. You know, they had just been told by this heavenly being that the Savior, the chosen one, had been born, but they would find him wrapped in cloths, lying in a cattle feeding trough. Again, doesn't make sense. But God chose the humble shepherds, and he chose a humble place for Jesus' birth because he wanted to bring glory to himself. See, God often does that. He uses the weak things, the humble things, the lowly things in this world so that there's no mistaking that he is in it. There's no mistaking that it's from him. And you know, for, that, for us this morning, that, that tells me that there's no one in this church this morning that God can't use. Absolutely no one. From the youngest in this church to the oldest, God can use you. And I would go further in saying that God wants to use you. You know, if God can use poor, humble low-class shepherds to be the very first human witnesses of this event, God can use you. You know, we mightn't know all the fancy theological words and reason for things. I don't. But just like the shepherds, if we are believers this morning, we can all testify to what God has done in our lives. We can tell about the Savior. God wants to use you. Maybe you feel inadequate. Maybe you feel, I let God down too much. I'm weak. Well, you know something, then you're in a good place for God to use. Just ask him to use you, weaknesses and all. That's what God wants to do. He chose the shepherds, he chose a savior, or stable. And our final point this morning, the final part of the, the, or the final part of the angel's announcement really gives us reason 
for Christmas being so special. It says in verse 14, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Peace. Why is Christmas exciting? Why is Christmas special? Because it tells us that God's peace has come to man. Without Christmas, without that birth, we could not have experienced God's peace. If Jesus hadn't have been born, he couldn't have died. He couldn't have rose again. We could not have experienced the peace that forgiven sins can bring. We could not have experienced the peace that, that being in a relationship with God brings. But we can because he was born. You know, the angel's announcement at Christmas, the child is born unto you. He is a savior for everyone. God's peace is here. We can come into a relationship with God. We can come into all the peace that that brings because of Jesus. Christmas is special. God planned it. Christmas is special. The angels announced it. And the very last point, what is our response to it? What is our response this morning to the birth of the Savior? Look at how the shepherds responded. It says in verse 15, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And then the first part of verse 16 said, And they went with haste. They heard the angels, they believed the angels, and they went for it. They left everything to head straight to Bethlehem. One commentator called this the first Christmas rush. You know, but it was a lot different from the, the Christmas rush that we experience today. But still, those shepherds are a great example for each of us this morning. They heard the message that God had sent to them. They listened to it. They believed it. They had faith in it. And they responded with immediate obedience. Is that not a great example for us? They headed off to Bethlehem immediately. And when they found Mary and Joseph and the baby, verse 17 and 20 tell us what they did. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered. All who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had told them. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. What did they do? They, they spread the news. They went to see Jesus. They went to see it for themselves. And then they spread the news. The Savior has been born. The Messiah, the promised one, the chosen one that we have been reading about, that we have been waiting for for hundreds of years, he is here. They couldn't keep that news to themselves. They went and they shared it. That was the shepherd's response. And you know, what an example to us. They went and told people about it, and then we're told they went back to work. You know, we're not told that they, they felt that they were important, that they felt that this was, you know, that they were, they were more important than anyone else because they had been given this news. No, we're told that they give the glory to God. What a great example. How do we respond to the Christmas story this morning? How do we respond to the birth of the Savior? Do we respond in amazement? Do we respond in faith with obedience? Do we want to spread His Word? I think if we truly, truly grasp what God has given us, eternal life, peace with Him, a relationship with Him, then just like the shepherds, how can we keep that to ourselves? That was the shepherd's response, but what about Mary? It's amazing. In this whole passage, in the whole Christmas story, we're given one verse of how Mary responded. Mary, who had just given birth to the Savior, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. That's all we're told. The New Living Translation puts it, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. 
You know, I thought about this a wee bit last night. You know, Mary knows that she has just given birth to the Son of God. Mary knows that. Mary is absolutely certain of that. What must she have been feeling? You know, she didn't fully know what all of this meant. She didn't know yet. So she simply just trusts. Mary knows the truth in her heart, and she treasures that. She thinks about that. She ponders that. I'm sure she still had a lot of questions. You know, Matthew Henry, he says about Mary's response, as Mary had silently left it to God to clear up her virtue when that was suspected, so she silently leaves it up to him to publish her honor. And then he said, the truths of Christ are worth keeping, and the way to keep them safe is to ponder them. That was Mary's response about the events of Christmas. You know, she may not have understood everything, but, but she took it all in. She meditated on it. She thought about it. She was faithful. She was obedient, just like the shepherds had been. The shepherds trusted God. Mary had trusted God. So what is our response to Christ's birth? Are we amazed this morning? I'm talking to myself here as well, very much. Are we amazed by the message of Christmas? Or do we take it for granted? To somehow the, the reading of, of those verses, to somehow the, the thought of Christ's birth all those years ago, does it somehow get lost in everything else? All the tinsel, all the lights, all the, the trees, everything, does it get lost? Or do we ponder it like Mary? Do we think about the birth of the Savior? Do we respond with faith and obedience like Mary and those shepherds did? Christmas really is special. It's about a birth that was planned before time began, a birth that was planned in eternity because of us. It had to be planned because of us. God planned it because he loves us. It's about a Savior being born onto us. And how we respond to that this morning can make it even more special. That child that was born is the only way that we can experience peace and a relationship with God because ultimately that child was God. He grew up and he died on the cross, like we've been singing, to pay the penalty for our sin. And we know that he rose again. We know that today he is in heaven. How do we respond to that? Do we believe him? Do we trust him? Do we trust his ways? Do we trust his plans for our life? Do we see him for what he really is, the Savior, the Christ, the Messiah, the Lord? God planned it in eternity. The angels announced it. How do we respond to it? Christmas is a chance for us to remind ourselves that, that the Savior, he truly has come, that God is with us and his plans are perfect. I'll finish with this, Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Let's just pray this morning. Father, we want to thank you for who you are this morning. We want to thank you for your word this morning. And Father, we've, we've read and looked at a very, very familiar passage, a passage that we've been reading since we were children, that we've been hearing about since we were children. But Father, I just pray this morning that, that you would help us to be amazed again by the Christmas story. Father, amazed that it it was your plan all along to send your son into this world for us so that us as sinful human beings that we could be forgiven 
Father, that we could be forgiven and brought into a relationship with you, that we could enjoy you while we're here on this earth, and that ultimately one day we could enjoy you forever in your perfect heaven. And Father, we thank you that even the, the way you planned the birth of your son shows us that you're a God who is in control. And Father, we pray for any this morning who, who maybe even are struggling with that, that whatever situation is in their life, whatever circumstances in their life, that they, that they can't see that you're in control. Father, help us when these situations occur that, that we'll just trust you. Because at times that is all we can do. We can just trust that you're a God. We can trust that you're sovereign. We can trust that, that, that your ways are higher and above our ways. So, Father, we thank you for the, the songs that we've been singing this morning. We thank you for the prayers that have been said this morning. We thank you for the worship that has gone from this place this morning. And we pray, Father, that, that it would glorify you, that it would honor you, because you alone are worthy of that glory and that honor. So continue to be with us now. We pray this in your son's name. Amen.